Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, my friends. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for being here with us. We had so many people who tuned in the last week's show, which was was a great show. We've had so many great shows here. I consider all of them great on Off the Shelf. And we've been on the air now going on eight years. Oh, my goodness. So to our listeners here at Blog Talk Radio and those over there at Blake Radio where we also air, I just say good morning to you and welcome to Off the Shelf for this Saturday, June the 9th, 2012. I'm hearing a little bit of echo on my phone. I don't know what's causing that. Uh, But I want to thank you for joining us this morning. As I always tell you, and I so sincerely mean this, it is just an absolute joy to have you here with us. For our loyal listeners, thank you, thank you for hanging out with us for more than seven years. For those who are just tuning by for the first time, you just you just got up this morning. You you're on the on the internet, and you're like, you know what? I want to I want to check out something new. And you stop by off the shelf. I want to introduce myself to you. I'm your host Denise Turney, and I am coming to you live from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Pennsylvania. And as always, I thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. And I encourage you, you don't want to let one more day go by before you pick up a copy of my new book, Love Pour Over Me. It's actually out in print. It came out in print earlier this week, and it's also in ebook format. You can get it at any bookstore, libraries, any digital retailer. That's uh, uh, Google, Google Reader, Google Books, that's uh, uh, iTunes. Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble. If you got a Nuke, if you got a Kindle, you can get Love Pour Over Me. You can also just download it via PDF if you don't have an ebook reader. You can read this book in any way that you want to. And this is what you get when you enjoy a copy of Love Pour Over Me. You receive mystery and love and complicated yet rewarding relationships. You get romance and intrigue. You get so much. And this book may just change the way you view your own relationships. Before you put this book down, you will be blessed. And you can pick up a copy of Love Pour Over Me today, again, at online retailers everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Ingram Digital, iTunes, Google Reader, and at any bookstore and library. You can also start enjoying Love Pour Over Me by grabbing a copy at my website, which is www.chistotell.com. And while you're there, please check out my other books. And now to the moment that you have been waiting for. Let us go and meet our special guest. Today's off-the-shelf featured guest is Rebecca Green. And Rebecca is the author of the books, Sisters in the Name of Love, Dear Diary 15, I love that title, and Dear Diary Jason's Grief. She is also currently working on a stage play. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Rebecca. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. We just love having guests like like you. Our listeners absolutely love, learn so much from, are entertained by, and inspired or gain insights, maybe a key to something they're looking for in their own lives, whether they're writers or editors or publishers or people who just love books, small business owners. We have listeners from all walks of life who tune into our show. First thing, I tried to pull up um, 
your website. And I wanted to ask you, can you give us the URL to your website? Because I like to always let our listeners know what the URLs to our guest websites are. Because the great thing about the Internet, you can go online and you can, you or somebody tuning in via mobile device, you can go on, you can check out the person's website and learn more about them, read their books, excerpts, et cetera, even as they're giving the interview. So can you give us your website URL, please? My website is www.whoamiministries.org. Okay. Who am and it's spelled just the way it sounds to our yes. listeners. Who am yes. I Ministries? Ministries. Okay, okay. And I wonder next, when did you decide, Rebecca, that you wanted to write novels? And was there a, a specific event that happened to you in your life that that inspired you to become a book writer? And if so, can you tell us about that event? Sure. Um, I started writing my um, the books, the Dear Diary series. The Dear Diary is a series of books um, that I started to write in 2000. I'm sorry, 1999, and um, I had just recently um, given my heart to God and gotten saved, and I was um, moving forward in youth ministry. Um, if anybody knows anything about youth ministry. <laughs> As um, experience with youth ministry, you know that um, it's not easy talking, um, getting the youth to open up about what they're going through um, to adults anyway. They they don't really want to talk to adults because they don't think we necessarily understand. So I started writing the Dear Diary series, which is a series that I wrote for teen for and about teenagers. And um, I just started writing it, and it wasn't supposed to be a book. I started writing it as a as a vehicle to get teens talking about um, their issues. Sometimes if you talk about um, unrelated, um, not unrelated, but um, issues that are just about other people, you can kind of get inside of their head, get them talking about it, so you can get inside of their head to see their opinion on it, you know, if they kind of cringe about it, you know that that might be something that they're dealing with. So it's it's about a teenage girl. Their diary is a series about a teenage girl who's coming of age. She's 15 years old. She's coming of age, and she's dealing with the the normal things that teenagers go through. Um, she lives a sheltered life, and um, I was working with Christian youth. Um, mm-hmm. So um, it was it was just a vehicle that I that I was using to get to talk to the youth, to get youth talking. We could talk about this this girl, Leanna Williams, her life, and I can get them to start talking, and it just evolved into a book. It was actually supposed to be a newsletter. I didn't even oh. know that, that I had a talent to write um, until it started pouring out of me, and it evolved into these books, and um, currently there are five of them. I'm working on wow. six. Yes. Wow. Wow. It just the the response that I um, received for Dear Diary was amazing to me because I didn't realize that people were going to respond the way that they did. And not only what what surprised me the most was that not only did teenagers respond, um, I was getting I was getting um, messages from parents saying my my daughter doesn't even read and she read your book in two days. She loved your wow. book. I, she yeah, my daughter loved, I, every time I looked at it she was glued to your book and I was like nobody was more surprised than me. I was just like. Really? Wow, okay. Wow. I didn't I didn't even realize it. So and and um not only I find that not only is it a good vehicle for youth leaders with 
um, with the teenagers, but also for parents. Um, I want the parents to be able to read it with their um, children to get to get a dialogue on because you know um, I don't have teenagers yet, but I know a lot of parents of teenagers that you know they, it's not easy to talk to them because they just think that we don't understand what they're going through. Mm-hmm. So it's a way of getting of getting a dialogue started. So that what? you know, um, open up the lines of communication to see what your what your teenagers are going through because teenagers today they go through real stuff. You know, I know yeah. I did when I was a teenager, and much more. I would I would imagine much more today they're going through. I mean, I mean, I know yeah. firsthand much more today they're going through um, adult issues, real right. Issues. There's so, yeah, there's so much that. And a lot of it is our our technology and our media outlets, things that we didn't mm-hmm. see until later in our lives, because they right. were they were kept from us or it wasn't on television, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they go to certain places to see it. It's everywhere now. Yeah, yeah. Exposed to 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 more stuff, and I, but but then also, you know, just letting our kids know things we went through when we were teenagers. So they, because I, I, I think children look at their parents almost as if we were born grown. Born as a yeah. girl, <laughs> and never, yeah. never were little kids, and never, never were teenagers. And so, when we share our experiences with them, as you do through the, your characters in the book, and then as a parent, sharing your 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 mistakes, the things you uh-huh. did as a teenager, your fears, your concerns, your, your children can then not go from thinking that you were an adult all your life to saying, "Wow, uh-huh. my mom went, she went through the same kind of stuff with what I'm going through." What was right. it like? What was it like growing up in New Jersey? I know you told me you're in Well, actually, I grew up in New York. I grew up in um, the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, and, I didn't. How, I didn't move to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Finish. Yeah, I didn't move to New Jersey until um, my late teens, early twenties. Oh, okay. Yeah. So your late teens. So, so New York, New Jersey. What was it like growing up in these? And what were? How did your childhood experiences? influence the writer you are today and I ask that because as a writer myself and I've read other so many so many probably hundreds if not thousands a thousand or more books in my lifetime so far I notice that authors things from their own lives if you start to read their biography or autobiography or just learn more about them you can see little parts of their own life show up in their stories their characters Mm -hmm. so our own lives impact the stories you write. How did your childhood experiences impact the stories you're writing today? Well, you know, um, I was a a church kid. You know, I grew up in church. My grandfather was a pastor. My grandmother was an evangelist. Um, My mom, of course, was a a PK. So um, it was pretty, it was was pretty strict, certain things. We, We were in church. We lived in church. For the most part of my childhood, I, I spent more of my childhood in church than I did in um, school. I would say, wow. and um, so that I I can totally understand that world of um, you know being excluded from watching certain things and and um, being around certain things. And you know, my mom didn't curse. Um, you know, I I didn't grow up. Um, 
as a lot of, you know, the, the young people grow up today, you know, they have the younger parents that are still clubbing and things like that. I had a more of a I had more of a strict childhood. I wouldn't say strict, but um a little more sheltered from that kind of thing. I didn't see a whole lot of um things that kids today see. So writing the Dear Diary series, um, you know, this, the young girl is, is in a strict home. Her parents are, are Christian, her father's a minister, and they're, they're strict, much strict, much more strict than, than you know, my, <laughs> than my um, mother was, but, you know, strict nonetheless, and um, she's a church girl. And um, so that, that influenced um, the book. In some ways, there are some things that you know um, definitely come out of there. Certain, certain things, some of my um, her being naive, you know, I definitely can understand that because I was somewhat naive as a kid, you know, growing up about certain you things know, I just didn't wasn't exposed to. And I think sometimes when parents try to shelter children as if they will never, ever, 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 ever be exposed to the stuff they don't want them to see, but stuff that's Everywhere in the world, right? It can, make, right. It, can, it can make you naive and make you a ripe candidate for getting either abused or taken advantage of by someone else. Because you 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 mm-hmm. don't know the first thing about it. Your parents mm-hmm. have done it. It's happened to many people to protect you, and they've actually maybe left you exposed for injury later in your life. But they don't see it that way. When when they're right. doing, it. and a lot of times when we try to protect ourselves, we 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 may think, okay, I'm safe now, but years down the road, we literally set ourselves up to get jacked up, and we don't even think it. We can't protect ourselves. Only God yeah. can do that. Yeah, only God can. Before the before today's show ends, I wanted to ask you if you could read an excerpt for our off the shelf listeners from uh, one of your dear diary books, if if you're able to. If not, that's fine. Um, but it, but if you can, then I'll, it'll be a, it'll be minutes further into the show before I would ask you to. Are you able to do that? I was actually going. I was actually prepared to read an excerpt from the Sisters in the Na- Name of Love that's, novel. That's, okay, we we that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. Okay. I want I want to talk a little bit more about the Dear Diary, particularly that is the Dear Diary fifteen. Is that the first in the series? That's the first in the series is Dear Diary fifteen, and Jason's Grief is the second. Okay. Um, the second you, in the series. Can you tell us what the main characters are like? You've talked to us about the one girl who's from a strict background and she's somewhat naive. How how do these characters, their personalities, their motives, their childhood backgrounds, their which is you know their childhood programming, how does it help to keep the stories moving forward? Um. Good question. <laughs> I've never really thought about it. Um, I would, I would say um, they're very relatable kids. From what I'm, you know, um, from my experience with talking to teenagers, um, they're very relatable kids. So you can kind of um, read them and feel like you're you're you know them. Um, Leanna, who is the the naive one, um, very naive, but she's kind of. Um, she has a little rebellion in her because she doesn't she doesn't really care for the rules. She's sick of the rules. She, as she's getting older, she's starting to feel more and more sheltered and, and removed from her friends. So she kind of um, 
at this age, at her age, she's starting to rebel. And, and is she 15? Do, is she 15? Yes. Okay. She turns 15 when the book starts. She's just turning okay. 15. And right. I'm starting her sophomore year in um, high school. So she's kind of, you know, this is her time. She feels like it's her time to buck up against the rules because she feels like she has it. She has um, enough knowledge and understanding of life to <laughs> do things her way. Which, okay. which you know, a lot of us, a lot yeah. of us go through all, all kind of walks of life. Whether you're strict, yeah. Whether your parents are strict, or we think we yep. have it figured out. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know I did. I yeah, I, 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 I definitely. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, they we 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 feel like we have it. You know, our parents don't know what they're talking about, and we we yep. know everything. And she's you know she's just ready to um, break away from the rules, regardless of what her parents think. Now, um, the, another character in the book, um, her mom, um, Leanna's mom, who is, you know, saying that she's, and she's enforcing these rules, but she's a guidance counselor. So she kind of sees um, Leanna and sees what she's going through and sees a little more than Leanna thinks she sees. She's more understanding than the father, who's the disciplinarian, who's the strict, the really strict one. She sees... Um, her better than she, you know, she definitely sees Leanna, and so she's kind of, um, you know, she kind of helps Leanna through it, and she kind of um, is very patient with Leanna without compromising the rules, without compromising, you know, the the standard that they've set in their home. And um, another character is, um, another couple of characters are um, Leanna's best friends, um, Brianna and Lisa, Lisa's a little um, rebel, not not rebel, she's a tough cookie, she's mm-hmm. very tough and, and she's um, a little bitter, she doesn't have a father in her life, her father never wanted to, to have anything to do with her, and um, so she's bitter, and um, she's um, a no-nonsense, tiny little thing, but she's no-nonsense and she's ready to fight <laughs> in okay. a minute, and she kind of has um she has Leanna's back and then the most popular character i would say would be Brianna Brianna her best Brianna's best best friend Brianna who is um very she's kind of shallow but she comes from a um her home is 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 um she has a lot of issues in her home with her mom her mom and her don't get along at all and Leanna um Brianna is conceived from rape ooh so she's um, she has a mother that hates her, oh. and she has she has siblings that um, her siblings are um, you know very bitter towards her don't don't oh. like her and and she's you know she's like kind of the Cinderella in her house and so she de- she's dealing with a lot of issues so she's dealing with insecurity therefore she's dealing with um, she's very promiscuous. And so she, um, you know, that's kind of an odd pair, <laughs> right? Um, but Leanne, Brianna has a, um, a, a a big heart, you know. But she's mm. just really she's misunderstood. Yeah, because you know her what? friends really don't know what she's dealing with. Yeah, and you, but they are her friends, and it, and the fact that I like the fact that you have of a your your characters you took a from diverse backgrounds. You you created characters from diverse backgrounds which 
as as for readers, it's interesting to me and and and, and intriguing and engaging to watch these different characters with different motives and personalities and from different backgrounds interact with with each other. That, when I mm-hmm. when I read a story I really enjoy, I like when I see these people from all these different backgrounds. They're not all the same interacting with each other and which what we do in life, how they deal mm-hmm. with each other and interact with each other and when they can still be friends and sometimes one or two of them might not like each other but then they get to to learn more about each other. I like that you yeah. did that in um in Dear Diary. I, I I do appreciate that. Um when did you decide to write uh the C- oh I, I there's a question that popped into my head when you were talking that I wanted to ask you. Is 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 it Leanne Leanna the the other main character is did, was her mother did she rebel when she was younger? Is that why she's helping her daughter? Does her mother, you know, sometimes as parents, we see little sparks of ourselves in our kids, too. <laughs> sometimes that's well, why we <laughs> hard on our kids because we don't want them to make the same choices we made. And we can see right. it tracking right down. Is that what went on between the mother and the daughter in the story? Well, yes. Her mom did, you know, she she dealt with her um, her things, which she um, she actually brings out to Leanna within the story. Um, that which which actually surprises Leanna. Um, you know, she went through her things in in her childhood. Um, she had, um, you know, she was a young mother, and so she doesn't want her daughter to yeah. go through that. You know, Leanna also has a brother, um, an older brother too, um, named Jason. So you know she she was pregnant. Um, the mom was pregnant with Jason Young. Okay. So she you know she doesn't want her daughter. She has they have their she has they have reasons for the rules. But a lot of times as children you know they don't see the reasons. They just yes. see rules and they rebel okay. against the rules. And I see it all the time with the with the kids that I mentor. You know they they um, don't understand the rules. They just think that parents sit in a room. The, um, Picking up things that they could do to torture them, and you know, just they just want rules. They just you know want to want to rule and want to have rules for their kids, and and they don't understand that these come from, you know, there are reasons why you can, you have to not do this and and refrain from that because these things will hurt you. These things are dangerous. I I, I have a um, child. My 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 kids are nine and ten, and I have to explain to them. No, I don't want you going into your friend's house because I don't know your friends. I don't know their mother, and I'm you're not going to go into their house and play with them. And I don't know everyone in that house. You know, she right. doesn't. My daughter doesn't understand that. She's like, but I want to play with my friend, but you don't understand. You know, kids are getting killed. Kids are getting molested. You don't understand. You know, um, that this can be dangerous. Yeah, you know, maybe so, some, so you know, I think sometimes it helps too as a parent when we tell our kids why specifically this is this is specifically why I'm, mm-hmm. I don't want you to go over there. Maybe something comes on the news and you say mm-hmm. that's why I don't want you going over mm-hmm. there. I don't want that to happen to you. I I, I can see what kids stand where a child would come from if they're like you keep giving me these rules but you don't tell me why you're giving me these rules yeah so i mean I, I i tell my kids i personally but there are times and even with the kids that i mentor you know even with with you telling them why and even when you're explaining to them this could happen they still have this um romanticized um thing in their head that well it won't happen to me but that's not going to happen yeah. to me you know they're still kind of removed from it they don't really 
see that it can happen right here. Right, so. right. I, I got to tell you, uh, Rebecca, I, I like what you're doing with your book series. And I, I believe that books, particularly novels, um, because people get so removed from their thinking about their own lives when they if they really get deeply pulled into a story, they get so caught up mm-hmm. in the characters. But they can learn stuff and they can begin to heal in areas of their mm-hmm. own lives as they read what characters are going through, as you mentioned earlier in the show. That said, because when you're reading fiction, I think readers lower their desires to defend their habits, their thought patterns, or their experiences that might hamper their personal growth. Like that, 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 that wall doesn't go up. It's, it lowers, mm-hmm. and then the, the healing can begin. And what specific right. ways have the Dear Diary book series helped teens to heal that you are aware of? Well, I've had... You know, teenagers tell me um, that they the the same thing that you said about um, their parents that they didn't realize they were so shocked at Leanna's mom the things that she went through, and they said, "Wow, you know, because I thought she was perfect." Um, wow. You know, and yeah. it, it kind of they it made them step back, and you know, of course, I'm I'm going to pull at that <laughs> when I hear them say something like that. I'm saying. Okay, this is because they thought their parents were perfect. They thought their, like you said, their parents um, were born adults. And I said, do you now? Do you see your mom differently, or do you see your 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 dad differently? Like, yeah, you know, I didn't know that parents mm-hmm. make mistakes like that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and it was like, wow, you know, yeah, we make mistakes. We were young too once. You know, we were naive yes. too once. We were, you know, ignorant two ones and we 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 all make mistakes and it's important um for kids to realize that that it's okay you make mistakes but you can get back up yeah you know um and even um with the um the mistakes that um the main character and even the um the the other character the extended characters in the book that they make and um the the important thing for me when writing this book was that I show consequences. Mm-hmm. It was important to me that because a lot of times the, the the things that you read or the things that you see in TV and movies, you know, they show they glamorize the um, you know teens having sex and and teens doing these things, but they're not really showing full consequences. Mm-hmm. And it need they need to see consequences to the things that they do. That these things right. do have an effect that there is um a root to why some of these some of these um young ladies or some of these young men act the way that they do. They need to see that there there's something there that's causing this. Now let's let's work on this because if you don't mm-hmm. work on the root, you're never gonna you're gonna continue in the the bad behavior. So mm-hmm, that that's mm-hmm. what I, I really try to reflect in the book. This is why I made it I made it clear that Brianna is not just promiscuous. Brianna is promiscuous because Brianna is very, very insecure. Right. Brianna is insecure because her mother tells her she hates her. Yeah, wow. Because she yeah. was conceived from rape. You know, and, wow. and and these are things to think about because because we look at we look at these people who are um you know when I was a kid I looked at the sexy girls and I wished man you know why can't I be you know I want to be that girl that yeah, gets all that, that attention like so that cool, but yeah. 
You just see in the yeah, and then we don't realize don't, the inner. Yeah. We don't realize the inner yeah. turmoil that they're going through. That they're no, they're not. They're not just you know just sexy. They're sexy. They want attention. They're trying to be sexy, and this and and that is not a good thing. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not a good thing. A fifteen-year-old girl should not be sexy to a grown man. Mm. Should not. You know. And, right. and that's not a that's not a compliment. And when I was a kid, I thought if a man paid it, when a, men paid attention to me because I was a um, I developed fast when men paid attention to me, I, I was complimented by it. But that's mm. not a good thing. <laughs> that yeah. I realize now that that wasn't a good thing. You know that mm-hmm. it, it was they were preying on me. You know, but I, right. I didn't realize that. I was just like, wow, I must be really beautiful. Right. You know, this is what they like, you know. Yeah, yeah. It could be that that as well. Can you tell us, and I definitely want to talk about Sisters in the Name of Love and have you read an excerpt from the book for our off-the-shelf listeners. Can we, I want to talk just briefly about the Jason's grief. Now, you said Jason was Leanna's brother. Jason is Leanna's brother. Mm -hmm. So what, what, when I was researching for today's interview, I'm thinking, Wow, there's somebody he loved pass away. So what what is Jason's grief? And do the events in that story, do they pre- precede the events that happened to his sister later in the the Dear Diary book? Well, yeah, it's an, it, Jason's grief is an extension of the first book. It's just um, mm-hmm. um, events that happen. Um, there's a cliffhanger um, in the first book that um causes Jason's grief. That's why the book was called Jason's Grief and um Jason grieves um you know in a in not not a positive way. And um you know the family's worried about him because of the way that he grieves over um what happens in book 1. I'm trying not to get into it because it is a cliffhanger. Okay. okay. Um it is okay. it is a it is a surprise in um book 1. That causes you to want to get Jason's grief, um, but yeah, he 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 takes it. It's a it's a blow to him. It's a blow to the entire family, but especially to him, and um, he doesn't react very well. So they're they're worried about him. Jason is like a um, straight A kid, and you know, really really good kid. So he he reacts badly in book two, and um, that's where the title came from. So for listeners who might be dealing with grief but not be aware of it, because I've met people who themselves said, and one actually was a licensed psychologist. After her father transitioned, she didn't know she was depressed, but she couldn't eat, and she didn't know why, so she went and sought professional counseling, and they told her she was clinically depressed, and she's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes somebody can be dealing with depression or grief and not even know it. Did you uh-huh. research about, you know, depression and grief? And if so, could you tell some of our listeners from your research, what are some of the signs that you saw for it? And what are some steps people can take to move, to deal with and move through grief? Well, you know, um, for me, I've I've, I've dealt with um, depression most of my life um, and battled it. And, and I, I um, am very close to people that have suffered with depression. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say, um, without trying to offend anyone, within the black community with depression, a lot of times we don't, we just deal with it. We don't really go to um, a psychiatrist or, or get the counseling. 
Um, right, it's like it's taboo. Um, for the most part. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for the most part we don't we don't do that. We don't rush over to the to the yeah. counselor. Not that no one does it. No no one in the black community right. does it. But you know, for the most part we don't. And yeah. we just deal with it. We just deal we, and, we, and, we stuff and, it. And Rebecca, we see the results of that not right. getting, we see it all right. around. Not us. getting the help that we need. Mm-hmm. Um and um I um I, I have nothing against going to um Good comp counseling, going through mm-hmm. good. I've never personally been to one, um, but I have no nothing against it. But it's just something that we didn't, I didn't do, not in my family, um, not most of the people that I know. And um, the way that I started to um, come out of depression and um, was through the Word of God and um, mm-hmm. my faith in God, and He started to show me things that um, roots of things even from my childhood that I didn't realize um, was causing me to be perpetually depressed. Wow. Just just, um, just depressed. Um, I, I didn't have a bad childhood. I wouldn't say that I had a bad childhood. I would say it was pretty normal. But um, for whatever reason, I always felt left out or not enough. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I wouldn't blame anybody for it. I mean, I did <laughs> at one time, yeah. but I, I can't blame anyone for it. Understanding now, looking back on it now, it wasn't anyone's fault. It was just the way I processed things. Yeah. And I was yeah. just always depressed and always sad, and, and different things happen in life. You lose things or, you you, you know, yeah. disappointments come, and it just adds on to the pile. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I began coming out of it through Christ, through the love of God, and just mm-hmm. um, studying and understanding that, you know, he had so much more for me and yes. that I didn't have to stay in what I was, you know, what I was sitting in. Right. And, you know, I'm so, you know, I didn't know a different way. I'm so glad you said that, and thank you for sharing that. Because uh, after the day show, we get listeners who tune in live, and then we get mm-hmm. listeners who come into the archives, and I mean, it would be thousands who will hear today's show. But I... I uh, appreciate it that you said this. There's nobody really to blame when we look at our own lives because so much of what we either consider a help or hurt is from inside of us. You said mm-hmm. it was the way you processed an experience. It's something that happens in the way you process it or perceive it. And if you can mm-hmm. do that, and we all do it erroneously or in error, you can think, well, they just don't like me. But that might mm-hmm. not be true. You that yeah, might not even exactly. be true. So that exactly. that that's you know, the way we process things can hurt us and we convince ourselves mm-hmm. that we're right and then we really get in yeah. trouble. <laughs> now, now you you also wrote Sisters in the Name of Love. When did you write and publish Sisters in the Name of Love? And can you give us a brief overview of the book without giving, you know, the the entire book away? Well, um with Sisters in the Name of Love, that I um actually that was my first published book, even though I wrote okay. it after um, most of the Dear Diary books. I uh, published that book first because when I started writing, um, I stopped writing Dear Diary um, for a while to write um, The Sisters. I used mm-hmm. to read a lot of books, a lot of um, basically trashy novels, <laughs> just garbage novels that, you know, had no, um, just weren't really good for me. And... Um, no benefit for me, and um, I when I when were I became a, were when you I got a romance saved, novel reader. 
Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> I like that fantasy thing. Okay. And the okay. drama. The drama mm-hmm. too. And um I um when I when I got saved I started reading more much more um evangelical books. I stayed away from the novels because I knew that they, they had no benefit for me. I didn't really um relate to that any you know, that mm-hmm. kind of life anymore. Okay. So um but at one point I missed the drama of those books that I used to read, and I was sitting in my house one day, and both my children were babies. My son was one, and my daughter was an infant. And I was sitting in my house one day, and I was like, you know, I miss reading. I miss reading books that, you know, just um, that that tell a story, because I was reading the, the teaching books, and it's different. And I said, you know, I wish I could, oh, wow, I, I could write one. You know, okay. I'd already been writing The Dear Diary, and I said, I can write one. And it, it didn't even occur to me that there was a market for Christian um, fiction. I didn't even know okay. at that time. Mm-hmm. And so um, I started. I just started writing, and um, Sisters in the Name of Love came out of my my life. People, those around me. That's that book is very very personal for me. Wow. All of the okay. characters. It's about it's about three um, women who are friends, um, and one of the one of the ladies. Um, one of the women is married and, um, you know, in a troubled marriage. Another one is she's married and her husband is cheating on her. And then the other one is single, um, a single mother, and she really, 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 really wants to get married. And wow. they're, all, they're all Christian women. Uh-huh. <clears throat> they're all Christian women. It was important to me with both with both the Dear Diary series and the um, Sisters in the Name of Love that the book the books have messages to them. I didn't want to just mm-hmm. write something just to... Um, you know, give people something exciting to read. I wanted a message. And okay. with Sisters in the Name of Love, I knew the message, <clears throat> the message that I wanted to get across was born before I started writing. Mm. And I wanted a message about looking for love in all the wrong places because I had wow. been there and back and and back again <laughs> so many times <laughs> in my life. And that's what I, I wanted to address because that's wow. an issue that I think many, many women and even those yes. that don't want to admit it have yes. have been there. Yes. And yes. um the book ministered to me first. It absolutely ministered to me and, and I I can't really take a lot of credit for writing sisters. I don't I don't take a lot of credit for writing any of my books, but um it was God that gave me inspiration to write these books. And sisters, um, you know, there were times when I was sitting there and I didn't know what was going to happen mm-hmm. the next minute. And, and I just started writing and it just started flowing out of me. And I knew it was a spirit because um, this is something that needs to be addressed. We are looking for, we're looking for this superman, this perfect man, this rescuer. Yeah. And, yep. you know, he came and died for us <laughs> over 2,000 years ago. He he's already here, and but we're mm-hmm. we're constantly searching for this person to come and rescue us and and um, rescue us out of our pain. You know, we want this perfect man, and we we um, we expect too much um, from our men. They're only men. Right. You know, not that we shouldn't expect. We of course we should expect. You know, there are certain things we should expect. But a lot of the things that we expect are unrealistic, and we yeah, put no, man. We go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, finish. 
we 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 try to put man in that place of God. Yeah, and you know and what it's I think not that, his. Yeah, no nobody, you know, we we have to be complete on the inside. Nothing external. Right. Nothing external. We're spiritual beings. Nothing, and we think we're physical beings because we have bodies, but we're spiritual beings. Nothing from the outside is going to fill up if something seems missing on the inside. It's all going right. to come from the inside. And in, if you look around the world with the uh, uh, government politics, when we go to vote, you look in who's people, everybody is looking for somebody to rescue. It happens in the military. It happens in communities. We look for ministers to rescue the whole community. We look for uh, uh, presidents and governors and mayors to just come rescue the whole town. We do it. We do it on, like, almost every single level. You know, we want the teachers to rescue our kids and make them act right, or we send them off to the Mm -hmm. military, and then you rescue my kids. I couldn't do it and make them behave. So it, it it goes almost every level. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. why does why does Patricia and you 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 talked about her and this is this was confusing to me. She sees what her friends are going through and their marriages. Mm-hmm. Why does she she just longs to get married after seeing how poorly her friends Candace and Michelle's marriages are? I would have been like back off. Why <laughs> she just is. She sees it's not working for them, and yet she thinks that, oh, man, if I get married, my life is just going to be just right. Why does she still long for this after seeing what her friends are going through? I know. I, I <laughs> Poor Patricia. Patricia just wants to be loved. You know, um, when you want to be loved, when you're desperate for something, you're blinded to a lot of things. Mm. You, you're blinded to the reality of a lot of things because you have your heart set on on something that you have made up in your mind is going to be perfect. And no, nothing and nobody is going to turn you away from that. Um, you know, good sense is not going to turn you away from that. I actually had a friend um, like this, um, several, but one particular um, friend of mine who was um, very, very desperate to be married. And um, I was married, and, and my at the Ooh, time Lord, my marriage Somebody was, need to talk. <laughs> yeah. At the time my marriage was um, less than perfect. I'll mm-hmm. say nicely, and um, I would vent to her many times. I vented to her many times, oh, and goodness, she would. I would still stop venting, and she would go on in her rant about how she wanted to be married, and uh, she just wanted to be married. She wanted a man. It didn't matter what, and I watched her go through all different kind of guys, and I was just like, "What are you doing?" You know, what are you doing? But when you have your heart set on something, yeah, that's true. You cannot see. You just blind it. It just doesn't matter what anybody else says because in your mind, for you, it's going to be different. Wow. You, 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 different. you know, when I, I've interviewed so many people for magazines that I write for, for o- online and print, and I've been on the ra- radio show for over seven years, and I see common things about us as humans. We all think that we're so different. We think there's nobody else like me, and nobody else thinks like me, and nobody else is going through this like me. But then when you start Mm -hmm. to talk to people more, and this is one of the benefits of being in support groups or having friends or you go to have your discussions at Bible study or Sunday school, when you start to hear other people say the same thing you're thinking, you're like, whoa, I am not so different. I'm not so Mm -hmm. different. And you you just see uh, common things. And one of them was when you said, 
when you have your mindset on something, you get blind spots, and nobody can tell you anything different. And unfortunately, it happens with youth and adults, and then you have to learn mm-hmm. the hard way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> unfortunately, yes. you know, the easy way would be to listen to somebody else who's already gone through it, but we don't want to mm-hmm. do that. We just think it's going to be different for us. It's how people become addicted to drugs, to alcohol. They just think, it's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen yeah. to me. And then mm-hmm. it does. Why does Michelle stay married to her husband, who is clearly a married bachelor? Actually, when Sisters opens up the beginning of the book, Michelle has left her husband because of okay. the, the infidelity. And um, Michelle is very, she's a beautiful woman. She seems to be, a, she's a woman that everyone, every woman would want to be, um, you know, but no one knows what she deals with um, as far as, her own insecurity. She seems to have it all together. She acts like she has it all together. She talks like she has it all together. But she's she's very insecure. And, and I notice with Michelle, that woman, we all know that woman. That woman that works so hard to keep it together is that woman usually that has the least amount of security. She's very, very insecure. And mm. um, she's, she's putting on a, um, a facade for everyone else and um because she doesn't want what's inside to really show and wow. um because of Michelle's insecurity she's very um distrustful of her husband and she's got this quick wit and this you know smart attitude and you know um this um Michelle Michelle would be like the woman of today who, you know, um, I don't need a man. I can do it myself. She's she's that type of woman, strong woman. And, you know, we all know that woman. We all know that woman. Mm-hmm. We look at that woman with, like, oh, I wish I could be like her. I wish I could say right. what I thought all the time and not care what people think. But Michelle is doing a disservice to herself. Mm. And a lot of times, we, you know, um, with women, and I, I see I see it a lot, and I, I've seen it in myself, but, of course, it's clearer when I see it from other people, and I, and I have to say, whoa, do I sound like that when I see stuff like that? Wow. Um, we, women, we, um, we, we try to be, um, we try to be so strong, and we don't yeah. want to show, um, you know, vulnerability, because, you know, we, we don't want to, we, we don't want anyone to see that we're weak, for fear that, you know, as soon as they know we're weak, they'll punch us, you know. Wow. And it, it's not true, you know, it's not true. Yeah. And, and you know, that that's a, um, it's not a good thing. It's yes. not a good you, thing that, that, go ahead, I'm sorry. You tackle a lot of different topics in your characters, and it makes your book sound like, I just got to go get this book, because you you, you you just get down to the bones of it. We only have 13 minutes left. This show is going by so fast. I have so many more questions to ask you. I definitely want to talk about Sisters in the Name of Love, about Candace, and have you read the excerpt, and then get into your stage play a little bit, as this is going to blow by. I guarantee you, before you know it, yeah. it's going to be I don't over. think I'm going to have time to read the excerpt, but I will post it on my website. Yeah, no, I'm going to, I'm going to give you time. What is it about oh. <laughs> Candace? Yeah, I'm definitely going to give you time. I want our readers to enjoy that. What is it about Candace's marriage? I want to talk about the third character. What is it about Candace's marriage that makes it so loveless? 
Well, Candace um, and her husband, they, they don't communicate well. And Candace is um, very um, intimidated by her husband. And she's so, she's so busy trying to be a perfect wife, trying to, um, quote, unquote, submit, um, which is another thing that women um, in the church um, get confused um, about trying to submit, um, cause, causing herself to be, um, um, not have a voice. Mm. Um, she, she's she's kind of scared of her husband. She's scared, and you know she's 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 submitting out of fear. Okay. And um, she and because of it, you know, he walks all over her, mm. and um, he makes her he makes her feel um, worthless because of his own issues. Not that this is right, but because of his own issues, he makes her feel like um, she's worthless. Like she 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 shouldn't have a voice. Um, he makes sure that she submits. You know, he's a dominant man. And, you know, she's just depressed. And she has, you know, children. And she's just, you know, she feels like she doesn't have a voice. She doesn't work. She's a stay-at-home mom. And, and when I wrote the book, when the book came out, you know, everybody in my family said, but, you know, Candace is you. Because that's, that wow. was the position I was in. And wow. I did relate a lot to, to Candace. And it did come a lot from where I was at the time. But... Um, it wasn't as bad as as as, as um, okay. Candace wasn't. It definitely wasn't as bad as all of that. But I did. Um, I related to all of the characters actually. Okay. Um, okay. So um, yes, Candace is is. Um, and then you know, towards the um, as you go into the book, Candace finds her voice, but then she gets she gets kind of like Michelle. Like I don't need you. You know, she, okay. gets, she gets that way. And so, you know, God has to bring healing to both of them so mm-hmm. that, you know, um, they'll see. Because, you know, we, we think it's one or the other. It's, it's um, you know, you're either um, submitting completely um, like a servant mm-hmm. or, you know, or you're aggressive. And, and it's right. not. There's a, there is a there is a happy medium. Submission is not. We get that word submission um, twisted in the church, and we're not. Submission does not mean that you're, you're a doormat, right? You know, um, right. because the Bible actually says submit one to another. He does say wives submit to your husbands, but then later on in that chat, that same book, it says submit to one another. You know, right. <laughs> we miss that. You know, yeah. um, and you know. She's just trying to, you know, just be the perfect Christian woman, and it just, mm-hmm. um, you know, without the without the leading of the spirit, and you okay. know, it just messes her up. Okay, can you? Are you ready to read an excerpt from Sisters in the Name of Love? For yeah, I'm trying to. They can to, enjoy. They can enjoy. Yes, this I'm trying to make it. Um, I'm trying to get it smaller okay. so that we have the time. Hold on one All second. Right. Um, okay, this is this is a part. I'm I'm gonna just make it shorter. Um, this is a part where um, Patricia actually ends up falling into bed with a coworker after she becomes saved. 
Um, I'm going to start from there. Patricia felt Kyle beginning to stir. She made herself so still she wasn't even breathing. Kyle stopped stirring, and Patricia jumped out of the bed. She collected her things, which were thrown all over the floor, and tipped out of Kyle's bedroom. Patricia threw on her clothes very quickly and left Kyle's apartment. She stood waiting for the elevator, hoping that Kyle didn't hear her leave and come out looking for her. The elevator was taking too long, so long, so Patricia decided to take the stairs down. She ran down the stairs like she was running for her life. She felt so bad for what she had done. Why had she even bothered to talk to Candace and Michelle about this date? It was all their fault, but she was feeling so convicted. Patricia knew in her heart that it wasn't their fault. It was her fault. It was always her fault. She was always messing up something. She could never be totally faithful to anything or anyone, not even to God. When she got downstairs, the same doorman that had let her in was still on post. Patricia felt like he knew exactly what she had just done. She felt so embarrassed. She didn't even want to look in his face as he held the door open and said goodnight to her. She just mumbled something back and kept it moving. Later that morning at work, Patricia was on pins and needles. She knew that Kyle would come into the office questioning her on why she left in the middle of the night the way she did. Every time she knocked on every time someone knocked on the door, she almost jumped out of her skin. She didn't know why she was so nervous. Patricia took a deep breath and tried to calm herself down. She'd done this so many times before. Why was she so nervous about this time? It was because all of those other times she was sleeping around, she wasn't claiming to be a born again Christian. Patricia put her face in her hands and took deeper breaths and told herself to calm down. She could feel her heart rate slow down so she lifted her head back up. When she did, she saw that Kathy, one of her co-workers, had come into her office. Kathy, Kathy was probably the only woman in the office that Patricia talked to on a personal level. Hey, girl, were you praying? Kathy asked. No, I'm just... What's up, Kathy? Uh-oh, Kathy said, something's up. How do you know? Patricia asked anxiously. You carry luggage under them bags, girl. Am I? <laughs> Is everything Okay. Patricia looked around the office suspiciously and, and then ran to the door and closed it. Kathy, I have something to tell, but you have to promise me that you're not going to tell anybody. Okay. I went on a date with Kyle last night, and you mean gay Kyle? No, Kyle that works with us, the, the web designer. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You didn't know he was gay? Gay? Patricia asked. Who told you that he was gay? Patricia, he had a live-in lover, didn't you know? No. I mean, I knew that he was living with somebody, but I just assumed that it was a... Uh, Patricia drifted off. She remembered the picture hanging up on Kyle's bedroom, um, on Kyle's living room. The other guy in the picture must have been his lover. Patricia wondered if they were still together or if maybe the other guy was in the closet the whole time watching. Patricia, uh. Kathy said, snapping Patricia's attention back to reality. Yeah. You see, that's what you get for not getting in on the office news like I do. I always tell you that it's not gossip if you can learn something. He's gay? Yep, so how was your date, or should I bother asking? What do you mean? Patricia asked, paranoid. I mean, did he serenade you with show tunes or what? It wasn't like that, Patricia lied. It was just a friendly outing. Just two friends that worked together going out to the movies. Oh, Kathy said, looking confused. Then what was your dilemma? I was, uh, um, Patricia looking around as if searching for an excuse in the air. I guess I just got my signals crossed. I I thought that maybe Kyle might have feelings for me, and I'm not ready for a commitment right now since, you know, I'm a born-again Christian and all. Oh, then you really dodged that one because that man is not going to have feelings for you. You're missing one very vital organ if you catch my drift. Kathy cracked up laughing. Patricia pretended to laugh, too, but she really felt like she'd just been gut-punched and she wanted to go someplace and cry. I don't understand why you think you can't date anyway, Patricia, Patricia, Kathy said. 
I'm not talking about dating Kyle. I just mean in general. Uh, it's complicated. Patricia said, getting up and walking back over to her desk as if in a trance. I'm going to skip. I'm going to skip some. Kyle, Patricia said, getting up and closing her office door. We slept together last night. Are you saying that you're, you you slept with me knowing that you're still gay? You don't choose the people that you fall in love with, Patricia. It just happens. Just because I'm gay, it shouldn't have to interfere with us. You've got to be kidding me, right? Patricia, I had an amazing time last night. I would really like to see you again. That will not be possible. So that's it? You won't even consider it? Kyle, your lifestyle is an abomination. I can't be with someone who, to- who lives totally against what I believe is right. Okay, Kyle said calmly as he headed for the door. Just remember one thing before you start pointing your finger in judgment against me. People who live in glass houses should not throw stones. And what's that supposed to mean? I don't remember reading the bulletin about God changing his mind about fornication. Kyle walked out of Patricia's office, leaving Patricia standing there with her mouth open. Patricia plopped back down in her seat and put her face in her hands. Lord, Patricia began to pray. I know that you're probably very angry with me, and I don't even blame you. I'm angry with myself. I hope that you will open your ears and hear me. I'm so sorry for what I did last night. I knew better. But I did it anyway. I just get so impatient waiting sometimes. But I promise, if you forgive me this time, I will never get myself into a situation like this again. I promise to wait for you to send me a husband. And if you give me strength, I will stay away from men, all men, gay or straight. Oh, I enjoyed that. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I so enjoyed that. Thank you so much for reading us an excerpt. From uh, Sisters in the Name of Love. Uh, you're very good. Oh, you're reader. I know, cause you, when you started off, man, you were like blazing. <laughs> and then you slowed down a little bit. But I, I said, oh, my goodness. very. That your writing is very, it flows very smoothly. This is a good thing about, you know, generally, I know when you do interviews in the future, I, I myself, when I do interviews, I like to read an excerpt from my books. Because you can describe your books, but when you read, the listener can hear your style how well the story flows, and you have the humor right. in your story. Readers can get all of that, and then when you just describe your book, they don't get that much as much from it. Reading an excerpt, I would encourage you to do that when you do your interviews because you, you, your writing style flows very well, and people can pick that up when they hear you uh, do an excerpt. We got just two minutes left. So I wanted to ask you as we come to the end, can you let us know, if you're on any social media networks and where off-the-shelf listeners can find you and follow you online? I am on Facebook as um, author Rebecca Campbell Green. Um, And I'm on Twitter, but I rarely get on there. (laughs) I'm on Twitter um, under Who Am I I Ministries. And um, my website, again, is whoamiministries.org. And, um, you know, it's a ministry organization that I started to um, dealing with insecurity. And um, that's a that's a huge topic and people knowing who they are. And um, uh, my I think that's it. That's that's pretty much it. Oh, I'm working on. um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, tell us where you you are. Go ahead. I'm also on WordPress under um, Rebecca Green. So you have a blog. Yes, I do have a blog. Okay. Uh, um, 
and and can you can you tell us um, if you're going to be where where can our listeners? I was going to ask you if you're going to be at any events, but I don't have time for that. Can you tell our listeners where? I definitely, definitely, definitely want to do this. Where can people get copies of your books? If are they available in print and ebook? And where can people get copies of your books online and offline? My my books you can get on my website at whoamyministries.org. You can also um, purchase on um, Amazon for for an autographed copy. You want to get it on my website. Um, you can also get it on Amazon and um, anywhere paperbacks are sold online. Um, and they're also available on Kindle. They're not at this time. They're not available on the Nook, but they are available on the Kindle. Okay, so Kindle and you can get it. It's in print. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's in. And it's an ebook, which is wonderful because some people prefer print, and some people like the digital, yeah. the ebooks. So you can get it in either way. And again, she just read you, and it was so so wonderful. Sisters in the name of love, but she also has the um, Dear Diary series, Dear Diary Fifteen, Dear Diary Jason's Grief, and she you have five five or six books in that series. But you can check out more about Rebecca Green, who we've been speaking to today. Our special feature guest at whoamiministries.org, W-H-O-A-M-I-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S.org, whoamiministries.org. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being here with us. And to Thank you for having who, who me. Who tuned in, the folks who dropped in the chat room and, 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 and our people on the, on the, who dialed in, and so many people will get to enjoy today's show. They tune in from so many different places, not only here at Blog Talk Radio, but but also at Blake Radio. So you get a lot of listeners and, and a lot of exposure. I truly enjoyed you. I'm so glad we got to connect. And thank you to our yes. listeners again. As I always tell people, remember, you're so truly valued and so incredibly blessed. Go out and create a phenomenal day for yourself. Next Saturday we will have a husband and wife team, and the husband is a former NFL uh, football player. And so uh, they will be here. They both are, are involved in, in, in literacy. They'll be here next Saturday uh, on Off the Shelf at 11 a.m. as we will kick off all our shows Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. You are one other author and one, uh, a fab long list of fabulous authors that we have interviewed here on Off the Shelf. So thank you again, Rebecca. Please go support her, Sisters in the Name of Love. You just heard how phenomenal that book is. You just heard her read it. You know that's a good book. And then her Dear Diary book series. You can go to Kindle to get it from in Kindle, and you can get also get it in print. Go support Rebecca Green, please. And, again, go create a fabulous day for yourself. Thank you for being here. Bye for now, Rebecca. I'll send you an email.